On the huddle with us this evening, we have Claire Delore, journalist and Mike Munro, former Labour Party Chief of Staff and Director at Mike Munro Communications. Hi, you two. Hello, fellow Drongos. What? Oh, hello, fellow Drongos. And that's just me and you, Claire. Mike definitely doesn't get called a Drongo, but yeah, I'll take that one. Thank you. Claire? <laughs> I'm joking. As, you're okay. As an Aucklander, how is Michael Wood the best choice for Minister for Auckland? Well, I guess he's from Auckland. Um, and the other thing about Michael Wood is that he was clearly at one stage thinking he might be a new leader. When he was asked about it, he just gave that very quiet little smile people do when they say, you know, they're thinking, oh, my God, it could be me. So perhaps Chris Hipkins has decided to give him a job that will keep him very, very busy. There is no guarantee of success, and he's going to keep a potential rival close to him because he's quite high up in the batting order, but also just very, very busy. Mike, I'm just trying to give you an alternative theory here. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm taking your alternative theory. Claire, before we go to you, Mike, I'm taking your alternative theory, but what's your actual vibe on it? Um, like, is he going to win you over? Are you going to look at, at Michael Wood over the next nine months and go, yep, I feel like this government really cares about me in Auckland? I don't think Michael Wood's going to be the key to it. Um, okay. I do. He's not going to be the key to it. I mean, you know, the key people in all of this are the Prime Minister the Minister of Finance and the Mayor and the Council of Auckland. Yeah. So he's not going to be the key player. He's going to be a conduit, presumably, of some information, some needs. He'll be a lightning rod for some discontent. It may be the worst job anyone's ever been handed in, in many ways, given that we have 1.7 million people who are currently uh, facing this repeated onslaught of nature, but without the infrastructure we so desperately needed and the organisational sort of uh, template that we've needed to have in place ready for just such an event. Yeah, never mind all the anger that we've got backed up after all of the stuff that's happened to Auckland. Um, Mike, can you explain to me, please, how Willie Jackson got a promotion? <laughs> well, um, I think there's probably a couple of reasons for that. Um, there's, a very, there's a very strong chance that Labour, after the election, uh, if they're in a position to try and form a government, I'll be dealing with the uh, with TNP, the Māori Party, and, and I think that relationship that uh, Willie has with TNP is, is a good one. It's a solid one. And I think it might be sort of called upon later on this year. Um, but, but also, I mean, he is one of the senior Māori in, in, in the um, Labour caucus. And with the demotion down the ranks of Nanaia Mahuta, uh, somebody had to replace her. Um, Labour has always been about diversity. It's always been about, you know, Māori Pacifica, rainbow, women. And getting the mix right in the top ranks. Yeah, but what about meritocracy? I mean, surely there's somebody else in the Māori caucus who's better than Willie Jackson. I mean, he, honestly, Mike, it's such a bad look. He he fluffed that interview at the end of the year so badly. Well, well, he did. But but Willie Jackson, to give him his due, is actually a very capable politician, and he's a very he's got very strong networks and good connections into a very important constituency for Labour. And so, really, it was going to be between him and Penny Henare to see who went into the top 10, and, and Willie got the nod. What do you make clear of Nanaia Mahuta being demoted? Um, I think it's very unfortunate for the, for the foreign affairs portfolio. I mean, we've been very inactive um, and underactive in terms of international relations due to our prolonged, um, you know, COVID shutdowns, and we need to be out there in the world. And I think it doesn't really mean much to people outside of, the system, but people within the system, if they see that foreign affairs is down, what is it, 16 mm. in terms of the peaking order, 
that's that's actually you know not very cool to be honest. I I think it's it's a bad call to take it that far down. I think it's probably a really good thing that Nanaiba Huta has been uncoupled from the three waters regime. But I think to to push it so far down the peaking order is really bad. What do you make, Mike? Of so so I mean this has been planned for a very very long time, right? That Kieran McAnulty would take over local government from Nanaiba Huta, and 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 it seems really clear why because basically she would do all the heavy heavy lifting, get the co governance stuff through, and then you'd have a nice kind of friendly Pakeha face from a, a rural electorate to tell other Pakeha farmers and rural electorates there's nothing to be worried about. But if you listen to Chris Hipkins, it does sound like they might be seriously considering some big changes to Three Waters. What do you think? I, I think they are considering changes. I don't think it's going to be canned, but I think something has to be done about perception, about perceptions around um, ownership and around co-governance. And and I think Hipkins made it quite clear today that you know the thinking's now going on about what that, what that's going to look like. I think that Kieran McAnulty, he's a very personable guy. I think he'll be a better salesperson for the policy than Nanaya was. He's already got good connections in the rural areas in regional New Zealand, and, and that's where the trouble lies with Three Waters. Yeah. And it's trying to sort of, you know, de-escalate the opposition. That's going to be a major challenge for the government over the next eight or nine months, and McAnulty, I think, is the best person to take on that task. Yeah, too right. I'm really keen to know what both of you think of those polls. We'll do that next. All right, you're back with the huddle. We've got Claire Delore and obviously Mike Munro. Mike, so uh, National, following those polls like last night, the fact that National is trailing Labor suggests that National needs a rocket, doesn't it? Yeah, the first poll of the year is always a really important one. You might recall that 12 months ago, you know, the first poll of the year showed that Luxon was on the rise and the Nats were on the rise, and they got and, and they got momentum from that. And I think, you know, so winning that first poll is quite critical, and, and Labor's now got the edge, I guess, in that they've got some momentum after a pretty horror year last year. They've got some momentum going into election year. Yeah, the Nats have got some thinking to do. I think the big concern to them is, is Luxon and his, and his personal brand. Um, that that trust number last night, uh, I think it was part of the News Hub poll, yeah. showing that a lot of people still don't trust him. And, and that's a concern for a, uh, a shadow prime minister going into election year. What's going wrong there, Mike? What do you put that down to? Well, I, I just think he, he, he has struggled in the role. I just think he hasn't put his, his stamp on it. He, uh, there's, you know, the, the, the sort of mistakes and the missteps from last year have been well documented. Um, I think he just shows his inexperience sometimes. He just He just hasn't had that sort of grounding in politics and he hasn't been through these battles that leaders have to sort of go through. Um, and sometimes, yeah, his, his inexperience just sort of uh, uh, ends up in him making sort of dangerous slips. What do you reckon the problem is, Claire? Uh, I think it's probably a lack of experience. Um, he's a very cheerful and to a degree, you know, competent um, speaker, but he tends to give very quick fire answers to questions and not necessarily think it through and whether it's consistent with where they've been before or where he's been before. So then he has to backtrack and, you know, clarify position. And I guess that would feed into that trust rating. But if I was the Nats, I would not be panicking right now because it's served them very poorly in the past. And uh, I think they have just got to really keep their focus and keep building because, you know, they have had their horror years too. Mike's referred to the horror year for Labour last year. Well, you know, you, you don't have to think too far back in history to see how awful things have been in the National Party. And right now, the fact that they're even unified behind a leader is pretty remarkable. Mike, what was your reaction to, to hearing last night that we had our first all-black coming out as gay? Um, well... 
I guess in 2023, it's no big deal. Had he come out when he was still playing for the All Blacks in 2005, it would have been a huge story. Mm. But, you know, I mean, as a, as a country, we've sort of matured over the last 15, 20 years. And um, I guess I guess the women's top sports teams have shown us the way. You know, the Black Ferns and the White Ferns, um, that their players have been role models for the rainbow community for some time. Yeah. And so for the All Blacks, it's, it's sort of catch-up to finally have yeah. a top player that, come that, out. And, you know. I think that's very clear. It does Sorry. feel a bit like catch-up, doesn't it? Well, yes, in a way, but there's no current All Black who's come out, and it's statistically speaking, it's unlikely that there isn't one who's at least, you know, bisexual, let mm-hmm. alone gay. So mm-hmm. it just strikes me that, you know, there is still a, a, a veil drawn over it, and it's not necessarily a safe space yet for somebody who's currently in the All Blacks to feel comfortable with that. Okay. And I, I regret very much that that is the case. Clear. I mean, it's great that so, people can historically look back and put their hands up, but we it needs to be better than that. How do you feel, Claire, about being referred to, you know, as a drongo by the Auckland Mayor? Um, it doesn't hurt me personally, but I think he's got more things to worry about than the media. What about the grumpy old men's group? Who, <laughs> in his WhatsApp group, has betrayed him? <laughs> These are the people that like him the most in the world amongst others, and someone has gone and released that... that um, you know, that recording of, you know, not a recording, but that record of what they were saying to one another. That's right. I mean, I, he's probably... I'd be very worried if I was him. He's, he's got a, a long way to go and he's got a long list of troubles. And now it's who amongst my friends mm. has betrayed me. Goes to show how, how cross Aucklanders are. And Mike, you've probably said worse things about the media in your time. Yeah, well, the, the thing is that... Um, he won't. He won't be the first politician to have a very dim view of the media. But generally, politicians are smart enough to just share those views with their colleagues, not uh, in or writing, their press secretary, or their press secretary. Mm. You don't. You don't go onto a podium and say things like that. It, it, I think it just shows that the, the great pressure that Brown is under right now. Um, mind you, I mean, we sort of knew about his personality before he came into this role. We knew, his, you know, a very direct sort of a person, and didn't sort of uh, mince his words. Um, but yeah, he, he just has to learn that once you're on the podium and in that role, you just have to be a bit more measured. Yeah, guys, it's good to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time this evening. That's Claire Delore, uh, journalist and also Mike Munro Drongo. And Mike Munro, former Labour Chief of Staff Director at Mike Munro Communications, our huddle this evening. And by the way, just on Campbell Johnston coming out as gay last night, the story has gone global. He reckons he's received messages from as far away as, as Norway. Uh, his story has been featured on CNN and the BBC. And of course, local. I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise that it's gone global. The All Blacks are a massive brand and he is the first. Um, Support here from Grant Robertson, who is also gay and also a rugby player, although obviously (laughs) not to All Black standards. Uh, The Black Fern star, Ruby Tui, he's also part of the Rainbow community. And the NZR itself, the rugby union, has also given him support. So that's very nice, isn't it?